0: Gorgeous George and are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada,
1: this is MMA Junkie Radio. Junkie Radio. We roll it!
0: What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back here on a Sunday night for your Monday morning delivery excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts, including the results from UFC 283, which took place this past Saturday, yesterday, in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And we're going to go over the card, over the big moments of the card, in and outside the octagon. Lots went on outside the octagon as well. Good stuff, mostly. Sad stuff. I don't know. And of course, we'll cover some of the latest news since the last time we talked to you, which was last Thursday morning. So we'll reset and we'll come back to start the show. so finally we can talk about ranked fighters, you know, title fights and stuff. We haven't done that for a while in the UFC, as far as the UFC is concerned. Respect the belt, or they went out there and did their thing with Ryzen, but no belts were on the line over there. It was just kind of like, uh, turf is what they were fighting over a little bit, you know, like just who was the second best player in MMA type of turf type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, no gang stuff. And we now have filled one of the two vacant spots in the UFC. There's no longer a vacant light heavyweight t- uh, champion as Jamal Hill defeated Glover Teixeira. And I still think it was an epic title fight in a way. But when you hear scores of four, 50 44, 50 44, 50 44, kind of sounds like a blowout.
2: Yeah. I think, uh, I think I kind of know what you're saying, but I think we have to face reality that it probably wasn't. I think, um, Everybody, at some point, in some way, was kind of rooting for Glover because he's such a nice guy. He's such a good ambassador for the sport, and he did have his moments. They were very quick, quick, but they kind of gave you that little tiny hope, right? And it's nothing against Jamal Hill. I'm sure a lot of people wanted Jamal Hill to win, but you can't hate on Glover. So those little moments, I think, are what kind of kept us in it. Um, At first, I thought it was, could he catch Jamal Hill, is what people were thinking. And then I think at the end, people were just cheering for him to make it to the end. You know, big cut on his head, Mm -hmm. damage that he took. Uh, Can he just kind of not go out the way Shogun did? And um, (laughs) so, I mean, I guess I kind of hear what you're saying. You know, there there was something to watch Mm -hmm. and to be a part of. But at the same time, it, it was Pretty one-sided.
0: Well, not only not to go out like Shogun did, but not to go out like Lauren Murphy did. Lauren Murphy, yeah, tough, tough chick. Praise to her. It, Jessica Andrade could not put her away, and Jessica Andrade tested her chin over and over and over. It was one-way traffic. Uh, I think it was 30-26 on um, those scores. And so... I'm sure people would say, well, what's the difference between 30-26 and 50-44? It sounds like had Lauren Murphy gone five rounds, the score was would have been similar. Yeah, it's just that Lauren Murphy didn't really have many moments, if any. Whereas Glover actually touched Jamal Hill's chin. And when he did, some power was behind it. Uh, Lauren Murphy... Just didn't really have that type of power, I don't even think, to rattle Jessica Andrade. Every once in a while, she would throw a nice stiff jab that would kind of throw Jessica off in what she wanted to do. Uh, but no, nothing going on with the ground game. We all know Glover's a beast on the ground, and he got Jamal down a couple times. And when he did, that's what made it compelling. You know, it went back and forth, and he tested Jamal in every different way he could. And again, folks, I get it. Jamal pretty much dominated but it was still a fun fight, considering it was one-way traffic is what I'm trying to say. At least for me, it was. Yeah. So, kudos to both. Glover Teixeira retired immediately after the fight. I think he took a lot of damage. I think he, he he just figured this isn't worth it. And I think the question was, would he have retired had he won? I don't think he would have. I think he probably would have taken, like, an opponent or two, probably till the wheels came off. You know, if he lost, then he retires. If he keeps winning, why not keep doing it? I, I think. I don't know. It depends. If he would have caught uh, Hill late after taking all that damage, I might be wrong. He might go, dude, I'm really messed up right now. Even though I won, I'm just going to retire a winner. I don't know.
2: That's a question that you have to ask it many different ways because you're right. Had he gone in there and maybe taken a little damage but won the fight, I could see him going till the wheels go off because he's part of that generation. A lot of people would ask, like, Why did Dan Henderson go as long as he did? Well, because a lot of his career, he was taking shitty paychecks. Not because he was part of bad companies, that just the pay wasn't that high back then. Now he's finally taking advantage of big paychecks and he's trying to make up for that time. I think you could say the same thing about Glover. He's been doing this for so long that every one of these paychecks that comes in now uh, are probably substantially bigger than what he had to do early in his career, right? And still, same risk. Still somebody on the other side of the cage that knock your block off. There's still injuries in training. There's a lot of stuff that can happen. So I could see him trying to maximize that and going, one more fight, one more fight. Right. Um, But you're right. Had he taken a lot of damage the way he did and pulled off the win at the end, I think he might have retired because, um, dude, I was feeling the effects of uh, what he was going through. Like, I could. You could just tell, man, that the swelling on his face has got to be horrible. Cuts pain, were horrible, too. his body, um, and he's getting older. You know, like I, I think uh, if it wasn't his decision, I'm pretty sure his family probably would have stepped in and said, "We just don't want to see you go through this again." Mm. So, had it gone under that the way the way you described it at the end, I think he would have retired under those
0: circumstances. And every time he'd get off that stool, he'd always go, come on to Hill, dude. It was kind mm-hmm. of like really carnal, you know, and I dug it like part of me as a fan dug it like, yeah, man, he's, this guy's going out on his shield gladiator style. But then once things would settle in and he was just too slow and he kept getting hit with that fucking left he- uh, uh, high head kick, you know and it, all of Jamal's size 14 boot and ankle just landing on the side of his dome man I was like god that can't be good you know um here's the thing with Murphy and Tishara and again full respect to both Murphy's fight I think I would have stopped it between rounds 2 and 3 she she had nothing for Jessica nothing and She was down 2-0. Jessica was the fresher opponent, still stronger and faster, and basically just piecing up Lauren. For the Teixeira fight, I probably would have said, listen, I want to stop it now, but I realize you want to go to the end. So I'm going to give you about a minute or two. If you can't get that takedown or light this guy up, then I think we need to conserve conserve you you know Mm -hmm. and if glover because every time glover came out every time he came off that stool he took the center of the octagon he'd start pressuring jamal hill he'd throw a couple things maybe have a flurry with the hands maybe try and threaten with a takedown or get the takedown and yeah you know but then it seemed like the latter half of most of those rounds mm -mm, it was ugly he was taking some big big punches you know and uh We never know what that fatal punch is. Thankfully, we're going on 30 years. We haven't had that in the UFC. It's happened in MMA, and it's happened in combat sports for sure. And in boxing, I don't know that the doctor ever says we lost him, and I can point to the fourth round. It was this. We don't know. But, oh, I just... He was too tough for his own good, and I wish they just at some point with like maybe three or three minutes left in the fifth, they would have just said, "That's it. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing here." You know, um, Hill has survived pretty much everything we've thrown at him, and he's younger and fresher. And uh, this guy's—I mean, dude, think about how scary it would be if I go goes, "You're going to fight Jamal Hill," and you're going to probably tell me, "Am I getting at least at least a million bucks to to get to go out there and get knocked out?" Oh yeah, you'll get your money but you're going to fight him. Uh, you can't just throw the fight and, you know, roll over, right? You have to actually go out there and fight. But before you go out there, I'm going to cut your eyebrows and I'm going to let a bunch of blood leak into your eyes so you have trouble seeing the punches that are coming at you. I mean, Glover had a lot going against him. I, 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 it's amazing that he could even see clearly, as damaged as he was, as tired as he was, you Know what I mean, and it, it just I don't know. I mean, but still, like, I i thoroughly enjoyed the fight,
2: yeah. No, it was, it was uh, for me, the card was okay, it, it was good because of kind of the drama that surrounded situations, but the actual fights weren't too competitive, mm-hmm. especially towards the end. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad that Glover can look back at this career and and look at the things he's accomplished and and you know another thing i don't want to do is take shine away from jamal hill Mm -hmm. because jamal hill went in there probably not the best scenario for him i really think that anthony smith fight just one more fight could have helped him even more because he grows so much from fight to fight Mm -hmm. um but to fight the way he did show that fighter iq the patience um his ability to push the pace when he needed to. He was very damn impressive. Not to mention he had to fly, you know, across the world to do this. He had to go to South America, to Brazil. No, and was territory, like, nothing was really in his favor other than his age. And um, I think what he did was pretty damn remarkable. And that's super, super
0: impressive. And I'm, I'm proud of that kid, man. Probably one of the most emotional – states i've ever seen a human being that is just a a fighter that has just competed in the octagon i've seen them cry but his was like obviously emotion where he did cry but it looked like it was this um how can i put it to you like a meltdown but in the good sense of just a ton of suppressed feelings um you know like he probably never you know how some of us dream things but i think immediately we we know you know like okay i'm not going to be the next michael jordan and or i'm not going to be able to dunk a basketball and um so he obviously probably dreamt it but he was so far away from it all small team in michigan uh, things didn't work out in football. I think he said he played basketball too. You know, things just kind of didn't work. You know, the Paul Craig fight wasn't that long ago. And remember, that was mm-hmm. a setback. He had to kind of crow and he actually took pictures with Paul Craig and, you know, he made the best of it. And then he came storming back and he got some really, really nice KOs. And then everything aligned, you know. I mean, for one, you're in the division that John Jones was in the early part of his career. Two, once Jones kind of said, all right, this thing's on hold, well, you're still not at the top of the popularity contest. You know, you got Dominic and Jan and Glover and everyone else kind of competing. Um, I bet you, you know, it, it sounds like he came from a very, very challenging background. You know, neighborhood, tough environment, rough rough neighborhood, I guess. Yeah, a lot of challenges and... But just seeing him, like, pour out that kind of emotion, man, I was, I don't, I don't know, I was kind of moved by it a little. Like, I, I it, it kind of, I enjoyed the fact that it meant so much to him is what I'm trying to say. There's times where I see a fighter cry and I'm so used to it, I'm like, oh, yeah, those are, the emotions are winning. You know, but this was something different, man. This was something like, uh, like, he accomplished something that, is is gonna is is deeper than just that i think it, it means a lot to him i think it means a lot to where he came from to his gym you know what i mean is it was a lot deeper than just someone who it's an emotion over winning
2: yeah so you know i thought about this do you know in sports when you have that older veteran player who's never won a championship and they join one of these powerhouse teams and they get a championship at the end right I'm sure they're happy. They're lifting up the trophy. But I bet you there's something inside of them that tells them this just isn't the same. What came out of Jamal Hill was everything was right about it. You Mm -hmm. know, he did it his way. Um, Nobody did him any favors at all. You know, the situation happened the way it did. But it was still a difficult situation for him to be in and he took advantage of it. And that's that, that type of emotion, I feel like some of those players would have had it had they stuck with their team. And won. Mm-hmm. Like, like if Carl Malone would have stayed with the Utah Jazz and somehow the Utah Jazz came together and put it together and won a championship, I bet you he'd have that type of reaction mm-hmm. versus trying to win it with the Lakers. Like so if they won it with the Lakers, he wouldn't have felt that same way. Whoa. That's what's out of Jamal Hill. Uh, that's what makes it so special.
0: Yeah, I could see that. And to me, it also looked like it was this uh, emotion of, wow, I I accomplished what I set out to accomplish in the sport of mixed martial arts, but I think it was also, I am also a success as a human being. So Mm -hmm. look, I don't know too much about him other than the times we've interviewed him. So I don't want to assume like I know, but... You know how they say sometimes certain neighborhoods you come from, you almost think, like, am I even going to live past 20 or 30? You know, could I possibly be incarcerated? Like, it seemed like there was a lot of challenges as a human being and an athlete. Now, when they combine forces, that's what came out of them. You know what I mean? And whatever it was, like I said, it was awesome. I'm really, really happy for him. Happy for Glover Teixeira to... Probably wrap it up because, boy, them last fights were pretty violent. Took a lot of damage. He's older. He's still a fucking beast. And and I hope he was able to make some good money. But it's just, it's just time. You know, it was 50-44, 50-44, 50-44. And when he had top position, whether it was mount, side control, half guard, whatever, lots of time left, little time left. He just couldn't do what he normally could do. And, um, you know, th- there would have to be some sort of a road back to get there. But, but you know what, George?
2: I mm. bet you he feels pretty good in the sense that if you would ask asked him at the beginning of the fight, what is your perfect scenario, it would probably be being able to take Jamal down and try and use my year, my wealth of experience of, of the ground game against the little time that he's had. Mm-hmm. And he kind of had those opportunities. So he did everything he could have possibly done, yeah, and he lost, versus him maybe going out there and trying to strike front with him for about a round, a round and getting KO'd, and then thinking, man, what if I would have tried to take him down? What if I could have gotten him down? Like He left no what-ifs. He gave it everything he had, and it just didn't work out. And I think that's like an easier pill to swallow than the mm-hmm. other one.
0: I would agree. And it also helps that at one time he was champ, Right. So he accomplished that. He was in some big fights, and I think he gained a ton of respect. And you don't actually need someone to actually go, hey, man, I respect you. Um, you can just feel it, whether it's a look or something they say or emotion they might make, and, and that definitely came um, in the last few years. And uh I'll give I'll give you an example. Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna peel back the curtain. Hopefully goes is okay with this. Uh-oh. When we started the Legend of Legend series, um, you know, we would kind of brainstorm, throw out some names. So the Legend of the Legends series that goes and Burt Watson uh, and Abby Subhan do for the for the site, you know, you obviously come out with names like hey, we should try Liddell and Couture and Silva and you know well at some point in time i think we said the name glover i think glover may have been champ or about to fight and we said well no not yet that's what i mean like he reached another level where now i think you can truly say he was a champ he did what he did the fights he gave us like that dude really is a legend you know and i don't know if maybe two years ago for some people he was who knows but he just took that next step and and uh, he'll forever and, and he did it like as a nice guy, like he was never a punk. Um, that's what I mean. Like he in the last couple of years, he just really, really just took it up another notch. So it's a well-deserved retirement. I hope he has enough money to feel like he's comfortable. I, and most people don't want to just not do nothing at age forty-two or whatever he is. You still want to be able to do something. But what you want is you want the fruits of your labor, right? Like. You, you don't want him to have only taken home 500 grand after all these years and all that damage, and that's it. Meaning if he tries a business, this one better fail. Otherwise, he's not down to much. You want him to have made some millions, you know, 10 million, mm-hmm. maybe 5 million. Who knows? So that he has enough to make sure his family's taken care of if for whatever reason he has any kind of health repercussions, right? Maybe try a business. Remember, I mean, some of these guys didn't maybe go to college. These are the years where you could have formal you know, for, formulated some sort of a game plan by getting a degree or getting valuable experience in the workplace. Now you're kind of turning in, you're turning out, you're pushing some guy out and going, you're 42, thanks for the memories. Now go out and start applying for jobs. You got to wear a tie and kind of almost learn how to, com, you know, comport comport yourself in, in the real world, you know, and h- how does that work? All you know is grabbing a gym bag and throwing your your gear in there and showing up to the gym all your life, you know? So now what can you do out there? Um, you want to give these guys a few shots at it, you know, like a, that, that type of a cushion financially. Uh, I'm not saying every guy should go home, you know, retire with $100 million. You know, obviously the sport's young. That money's not available to everybody, but enough so that fighters have a little bit of peace in mind.
2: Yeah. Um, you know the funny thing is, is? If he wasn't in the UFC, I think he would be – competitive in pfl uh i think he'd be competitive in bellator he, there's just monsters in the ufc but you're right i don't want to see him compete anymore i don't want to see him pop up in a bkfc because he needs the money right like that maybe grappling i think he'd probably make some money here and there doing some grappling but uh but for the most part yeah i hope he can just enjoy his retirement
0: yeah like when we talked <coughs> excuse me when we talked to diego sanchez the other day All I kept thinking was, boy, that fight against Austin Trout is really tough. I was saying this to myself. Why are you doing this, Diego? I was open to the fight with him and Nate Diaz, Mm -hmm. two guys from MMA, two guys similar in age, two guys similar in skill. I guess I'd give the advantage to Nate on the feet. You know, Diego's obviously tough, tougher on the ground. But I see a wider uh, disparity in skill level when it comes to throwing hands with Austin Trout and Diego Sanchez. Folks, you don't have to remind me about, what's his name?
2: Paulie Molinogian. Paulie
0: Malinogian. What's his opponent's name? Artem Lobov. Artem, there you go. I wanted to say Alfred Allen. I couldn't remember. All right, you don't have to remind me about that, okay? I'm just saying, for the most part, you, you kind of have an idea of how this could possibly go. I'll be cheering for Diego Sanchez. Don't get me wrong, but that's, that's what, yeah, you nailed it, goes. I don't want to see this guy pop up somewhere else. You kind of want to feel like, When they're done, they're done.
2: Yeah. No, I hear you. Um,
0: I have a feeling that retirement will stick for him, though. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, Brandon Marino has ended the Tetralogy versus Davis and Figueredo. The -hmm. fight was stopped in between rounds three and four. It was a doctor stoppage, but it was technically a TKO due to an injury he sustained from a punch that he got from Brandon Marino, a knuckle in the eye, just closed the eye. Uh and now, granted, after he threw that left hook and landed that on his right eye, there was also a finger poke that followed it, but that wasn't the eye that was damaged. And that's why, if anybody's wondering, whatever happened to that, it wasn't called. Um, and that's why it was ruled a TKO stoppage. So congrats to Brandon Marino. The series ends. Brandon Marino 2, Davis and Figueredo 1, and they drew one time. Davis and Figueredo also retired, except not from MMA, just from completing competing as a flyweight. He's going to move up to bantamweight, and that's probably the smart thing to do. Um, sounds like the weight cuts have always been pretty brutal on him. So good for them. I'm glad the thing's over. And, you know, that's that. I mean, I I can't even say it was a great fight because it was kind of moved slow when they do, when they would explode on each other, it was pretty interesting, but it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't like great. It was just good. And, you know, congrats to Marino.
2: Yeah, that fight, uh, (laughs) I wish Figueredo would have, he really did make it seem like he was going to retire at the end, but, uh, it was just so one-sided to me, you know. Davidson Figueroa looked amazing going into that fight, and that's always the first battle for him, right? Is making the weight, and so for him to look the way he did and kind of say the things he said leading up, I I actually thought he might have an edge in this fight, but the way he performed was—I mean, I can't I can't describe it any other way than he just looked flat. Mm-hmm. very flat and that's amazing to me considering what's on the line in this fight what they've learned from previous fights um he just wasn't there for that performance it, it didn't it kind of left a sour taste in my mouth as far as like i feel like if joe Lungepale were watching this uh, and you gave him the background of where what it took to get to where we are today you'd probably go why are these guys even fighting like they don't even look like they're in the same class. Like this dude just kind of owned the other guy.
0: And he did. And these two have tied up the, the weight class in terms of the top since since like 2020. Mm-hmm. And we're in 2023. So you know what? It's almost like a painful lesson of what did you expect to the matchmakers and maybe Dana White. Um, <clears throat> They probably have so much intel on each other they probably know so much about each other from only preparing for each other with the exception of when Marino fought Kaikara France that when they were out there, they were probably overthinking everything. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And those those fights should have been spaced out a little bit. Um, The UFC deserves that fight. It wasn't terrible, but it definitely didn't live up to the other ones. But they kind of deserve it because... Um, it it, it you, I don't care who it is. This isn't a shot at those guys. Pick two other exciting fighters. You you know how we say if they fought ten times, it'd be five five, six four, seven three, whatever. Sure, mm-hmm. but I bet you some of those would suck and some of those would be classics. Like, it's just the law of averages, I imagine. Yeah. So anyway, that's over. Marino's champ. Supposedly, Pantoja is looking like he might be next. On MMA Junkie, you can check out Marino talking about it. it says Pantoka was very congratulatory towards him, but then he wanted answers. When are we fighting? And he said it kind of turned a little like, um, little confrontational, or he just felt like a little, uh, you know, Jekyll and Hyde type feeling. Mm-hmm. But he says he's over it, and he told him, "Look, let me just enjoy today, man. I I I can't put a date on it." Um, it really is hard, dude. When when you've been in a fight, I don't even think you can remember the months in what order they are. Mm-hmm. You know? So, what did Pantoja expect, like, from Marino to go? Well, let's see. Eight, uh, two eighty six is um, you know, the third week of March. That's Edwards and Usman. So, you know, uh, maybe April at two eighty seven. I'm hearing Brooklyn. You know, like, he, you know, like the most he probably could have said was like, in the summer, pendejo, leave me alone. You know, June, July, August—I so don't know—we'll figure it out. But right now, I, I got to take a picture, piss for the USADA people, um, probably maybe uh, backstage with Sanko or Ale- or Olivi. Then the media—you know, like yeah, a shower would be nice. You know, your people just threw popcorn and, and beer all over me. So I don't know—I don't know if you saw it or not—but he he talked about it there in the in the in the press conference and. I like Pantoja. I, I felt like somewhere along the line he kind of deserved a shot. He does own two wins over Marino.
2: I don't. I don't hate him at all for kind of pushing the gas on that, because that's what gets people talking, right? And I, to me, he's clear. He's, he's the clear next guy. But you never know. You never know what's going on with the UFC. So I applaud him for for pushing the gas a little bit on that. But I also understand why Brandon Marino would kind of just wants to enjoy his moment,
0: you know, and and figure that out later. Yeah, exactly. Um, If you guys really want to know, that fight only went three rounds, and Brandon didn't look marked up at all. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So the UFC loves their champs to fight as soon as possible. I bet you, Brandon, it'll be fresh for him to train for someone new. He's fought them twice, so new in the sense of not Figueiredo. I could see maybe goes International Fight Week at the latest or maybe whatever the pay-per-view is in June or May because we're still only in, in January. But forget about Perth, Australia. That's in February. And forget about Jones Gone in Vegas. And then later that month, there's a second one in London. Forget about that one. That's the one with Usman and, and Edwards. I'm yeah, not, I, I don't see that one. Uh, and then April is the part where you're probably like at your soonest. So I I think the sweet spot's probably May or June in the United States. What do you, pantella? You you want more? Ask? Um, well, look, hey, you gotta take that kid to Mexico, don't you? you have to, right? You That's have what I'm to. Doing. Que esperan? So for sure, he's from Tijuana. And Tijuana is right on the border of where um, uh, San Diego is. So for anyone that wants to know, well, does it have to be Mexico City or whatever? Well, Mexico City is their big, big hub. It's their capital. It's their big city. But it's not really close to Tijuana. If I had to guess, it's about a two- or three-hour plane ride. So that would be like... Washington, D.C. is our capital. It's not our biggest hub. Our biggest hub is New York. But someone like Goes, if Goes were champ, he'd want to fight in, probably in L.A. or Vegas. He'd want to fight in front of fans and friends and whatever. Mm-hmm. So if you're telling them, yeah, man, you got to go to New York or D.C., he'd probably be like, well, that sounds the same as sending me to Tokyo or Rio or whatever. Like, I don't really connect with, the, with those cities. So... Could there be something that happens in you know Baja California? More more than likely Tijuana. I don't know. Sounds like it would be pretty epic, um, but more than likely, since UFC hasn't been to Mexico City in a while, that's your big city. Then there's Guadalajara, and then there's Monterrey's kind of a little bit more of a modern city. But anywhere in Mexico would be big, and yeah, goes. I guess that that probably would be the logical step.
2: You know, I was. Uh, I mean. They're already tied up. I think they're on the Gon Jones card. But, man, if you could have had Alexa Grasso fight on the same card, uh, fighting for a belt
0: in Mexico City, I think that would be cool too. That might be the answer um, to your question in a way. Maybe that tells us they're not going to Mexico City anytime soon because why wouldn't they have wanted one or the other? Are are Mm -hmm. they both official? I heard Valentina versus Grasso is, but Nunez versus Aldana isn't. I don't know about that one, but I know Grasso uh, Shevchenko is. You know what? I'm going to check right now just to make sure. But while I do that, I'm going to give you some results to the fights that happened early. And anything that stands out, chime in, and then I'll just keep going. We'll start off with Daniel Marcos defeated Simon Olivera. Josiane Nunez defeated Zara Fernando Santos. Nicholas Dalby defeated Warley Alves. Uh, It was a lot to ask out of any MMA fan, but did you watch those three or uh, anything from those three fights stick out?
2: Nothing stood
0: out. Okay, fair enough. Um, Ismael Bonfim versus Terrence McKinney. Cody Stamen versus Luan Lacerda. Jelton Almeida. Well, not versus, defeated. Shamil Abdurakimov. Uh, I, I'm sure we want to chat about those because McKinney took a horrific KO. He did. That the
2: timing on that one Fiend was just a madman. It was really cool to see them doing a shot afterwards and all that. And what McKinney said basically, you know, he just had my number. Uh that was really cool. Cody Samen, it's a good victory for him. It was scary going into the judges, but uh he got the win. And when Cody's at his best, he's a
0: tough cat. So he's a tough out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I would do a shot that close after such a vicious KO because, I, I mean, maybe he's young and he maybe it was just a headache for the night and that was it. But I think I want to clear the cobwebs for 72 hours and just just, I don't know, like, leave me alone, you know, and to do it with your the guy that did it to you, like, you could say what you want, unless you were kicking his ass pretty proper and he can say, oh, you had something for me, then maybe, but that didn't really occur, I don't remember. I don't remember it that way, you know, and, and he got viciously ko man. I just want to be in the hotel room and get me out of here. Or let the circus leave, and then I'll chill a few nights in Rio mm-hmm. de Janeiro. I'll enjoy it, but I ain't posting on social media. I ain't doing anything like that. Like, I'm good for a while. Like, leave me alone, and then, hey, I'll resurface once I land, and, I can say what I want and maybe then I'll do shots, but oof, just salute. Do you fucking me up? Like, well, I don't know. <laughs> What's it do Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, ugh. no. Um, how about Cody Stamen? Nice, nice decision win for him. Mm-hmm. 29 28 in his favor. Uh, this is a guy that recently did a watch along with us and we've known him for a long time. He's actually done two watch alongs with us, but super nice guy. I can't help but homer for him. Super funny, man.
2: Just got this this weird humor about him.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then the last fight in that group was Jilton Almeida, heavyweight. He was a huge favorite. He finished Shamil Abdur came off pretty quickly. We move on to the next set. Gabriel Bonfim, which is Ismail Bonfim's brother, he defeated Monir Lazez, Diagos Moises defeated... Mel Cizelle Costa, and Bruno Fajeda upset Gregory Robocop Rodriguez. Any thoughts there?
2: I didn't think Robocop was going to get steamrolled like that. And uh, Moises, when he's on, dude, he looks so good.
0: Mm-hmm. He looks like he could be a problem. Yeah. I agree. Uh, that was the fight that what Brad Tavares was supposed to be involved with. He was supposed to fight Rodriguez. He pulled out a few weeks ago. Fajeda. Comes in on late notice and knocks out Rodriguez, and I thought Rodriguez was going to uh, decapitate this guy. Basically, yeah. I had a feeling Moises would win, but that Costa guy looked pretty good, man. Early on, he looked like he was bigger and he was active and ready to go. And then Bonfim family went two and zero. Lazez is no joke, from what from the fights I remember him fighting as an underdog. I thought I took took him in this fight. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> yeah, Alan Stone. It sure did. Um, All right. So then we go to the Mauricio Shogunhua fight. I'll just call it, kind of say it by myself. Eeyore Potea defeated Mauricio Shogunhua four minutes into round number one. Uh, You know, nothing spectacular took place here. And it was just a nice finish for the Ukrainian.
2: Yeah, it's sad. You know, we grew up in that era of watching a prime Shogun Hua and how dangerous he was back in Pride and even towards his beginning part of the UFC run. Very dangerous fighter, um, but just he's not even a shell of what he used to be. You know, It's time for him to go. Uh, it would have been nice to see him get one more win, especially at home. Mm-hmm. But now it's all about kind of remembering the old Shogun and sort of forgetting what we've seen the
0: last couple of years. And he said, this is it. And it was one of those convincing ones, right? Like, there's no, are you sure? It's a wrap, dog. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know.
2: To me, I know he always comes in like a little chubby or thick or whatever. But this time, it felt like it was even more. So, I mean, that that just kind of told me, this is it, man.
0: He's done. Mm -hmm. Two of his last three were TKO stoppages. Um, he lost his last three, by the way. One of them went to a split decision against Ovin St. Prue. He hadn't really fought much since November of 2020. He only had two fights. So pretty much in the last just over two years, he kind of just had the two fights here. Uh, but still, before that, I mean, UFC light uh, heavyweight champion. And then he was also a pride middleweight Grand Prix champion. So two mm-hmm. huge, huge accomplishments. Lots of respect. And so then the UFC plays this little video montage, and I could I could see Cormier kind of rushing through it. And it was weird because you have a Ukrainian here, and there's a lot of sympathy for Ukrainians for what is happening, right? And it looked like he wanted to say something, which again could just be a, a final shout out to Ukraine, or some love to Brazil and let Brazil love him back because again, what's happening with Ukraine? Or maybe even like he might just say, hey, and, and to Shogun, respect or enjoy retirement. And Cormier was rushing him. But I was watching the clock. I go, bro, you got like 11 minutes. You guys are ahead of schedule before the pay-per-view starts. But then he goes to Shogun. And I knew that was only going to last two, three minutes. And Shogun said a few things. And that was it. Laid down the gloves. And time was there. And then they did that that video montage I'm talking about. So then I'm going, oh, that's cool. They're going to induct or not induct, but... um." They're going to announce that he will be getting inducted into the hall of fame. And this is it, right? You know, his video highlights. And then it just cut, cut, cut and goes to a commercial. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> dude, you okay. And we're going to say congrats to UFC. This is year number 30. Then they have to take this one on the chin. UFC, this is year number 30. And you guys do a lot of shows. You got to button that up, man. Like, that was kind of like a, a weird exit. Uh, I don't know. And and if you're going to eventually put Shogun in, that might not have been a bad time because he sounded for certain he was doing it. Now I did say on the watch along, well, I think I heard before that you have to be retired for a year, but then they all of a sudden do Jose Aldo a few minutes later. He mm-hmm. hasn't been retired for a year because in August when Usman got knocked out by Edwards and they were in Salt Lake City, Remember the Costa and Rockhold fight? That one right there, that card. Mm-hmm. That was in, in August. So six months ago, that was Aldo's last fight. So he hasn't been retired for a year. And they said, hey, Aldo's going on the modern wing. Well, send Shogun in there with him, for crying mm-hmm. out loud. You know, like, um, they did Habib and Cormier. They're both modern wing. It's not like one is a pioneer or one went for fight of the night or, or sorry, fight of the, fight wing is what I'm trying to say, or one was a contributor. They're both just fighters. I don't think there's a set rule that says, you know, only this. There might be some other guys or whatever, but I think, I don't know. It just looked awkward.
2: Shogun is one of those fighters where I think he absolutely deserves to go in there. But he might be one of those guys where every time you think about it, there's just somebody that's a little bit more deserving. And it just pushed aside over and over and over until it gets to the point where you just kind of forget. That might happen to him, but I think he absolutely deserves to be in there. And you can't. Oh, I don't
0: think he'll get in at all.
2: He no. might get forgotten. I think he might get pushed out. Like it might take a while, and like by the time you get to it, mm-hmm. uh, people just might not be clamoring for it as much, you know. But I think he'll get in eventually. But the guy they went with, which I'm sure will we'll pivot to that eventually, you can't argue that one.
0: Yeah, Jose Aldo, automatic, automatic. Um, I have no problems with it. I would have had no problems with Shogun accompanying him, and that's the only one I've heard that's been announced for 2023. If you'll recall, the 2021 class, sorry, the 2022 class was Habib and Cormier, um, the dude who Troy, and Cub Swanson fight. So there was one fight and two Modern Wings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The 2021 class was Mark Ratner, John Jones versus Alexander Gustafson. So Fight Wing, Contributors Wing, and then for Fighters, it was GSP for the Modern Wing and Kevin Randleman for the Pioneer Wing. Is that what it's called, Pioneer Wing? I think it's called the Pioneer Wing. Yeah. So... You know, sometimes it, it 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 doesn't have to be like one of each is what I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. and I think Ho, Shogun Hua qualifies. I think Dan Henderson should get in the Pioneer Wing, and I also think Jens Pulver should get in the Pioneer Pioneer Wing. Um. Uh, as far as like, you know, any other wings, uh, who's kind of sitting there ready to go? Goes. Can you think of someone? In like your Anderson Silva would qualify for Pioneer, Pioneer Wing, I think. What's that? Other than Pioneer Wing, you mean like Yeah, or is, is there a fight that's ready to be inducted? Yeah, or what do you
2: well, you know that Li Zhang fight and Joanna and J Chek, I think is one that'll get in
0: there. Joanna could go in, yeah. <laughs> I think Joanna could go in. Mm-hmm. To modern wing, I guess. She would join Aldo. Now, but would Joanna be more um would she be more what am i trying to say here deserving than marisa shogun hua no no think because about it, think about it now like she kind of is pretty big in the WMMa side um yeah. I, I i automatically thought to myself hell no right but i'm now, now i'm thinking about it a little oh uh,
2: no think know. about it man think about what shogun accomplished just yeah. just yeah. Two belts alone is pretty amazing. You know, that Grand Prix, uh, the names that were in that are very, very impressive. Mm -hmm. And then coming over to the UFC and winning a title, it's a
0: big deal. You want a quick refresher on the UFC Hall of Fame? Like overall? Yeah, I can do it fast. Go for it. Got it right here. Uh, All right. First, I'm going to do the Pioneer Wing. Pioneer Wing is Hoist Gracie, Ken Shamrock. Dan Severn, Randy Couture, Mark Coleman, Chuck Liddell, Matt Hughes, Tito Ortiz, Pat Miletic, Boss Rudin, Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira, Don Fry, Maurice Smith, Kazushi Sakuraba, Matt Serra, Rich Franklin, and Kevin Randleman. So who could go there? Anderson Silva. I guess he's still competing in boxing, but he's not competing in MMA. Mm-hmm. Um, Jens Pulver, Dan Henderson, I think those are three that jumped out at me as far as like deserving. What
2: about... Uh, yeah, do you have someone? you think Damian Maia will ever go in there? Would he fit under that?
0: He's been doing it a long time. Oof. That is a tough one. Well, let me ask it this way. It's, but see, I just when I F, I just got a nice reminder that Matt Sarah's in. Yeah. And he lowers the bar a little bit. Sorry, Matt. We don't mean disrespect when we say that. It's just that, look, at one point, he was out of the UFC. He came back through the comeback season. We get it. He knocked out the great George St. Pierre. I witnessed it. Um, not in person, but I saw it. And so that was monumental gsp used to fuck everyone up and matt fucked him up so but you know he did win a season of the ultimate fighter to accompany that he coached the season of the ultimate fighter but in terms of like the the greatness you know and he was one of the top lightweights early on in the first early era of the ufc uh, lightweight division before it went away but um I don't know, That's a tough one. I, I think there's a lot of fighters that would go in before Damien. Mai is what I'm trying to say.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, in that
0: pioneer, would he fit under that? Oh, okay. So the question is, you had to have basically started competing. And I think the answer is going to be no. But you have to have basically started competing, I think, before 2001. What was it? UFC 238, I think, is when the. Uh, the first show that the Fertitas did with Dana White um, before that era. So, if you were SEG uh, era or you know, whatever came after, yeah, that's the cutoff point. So, Damian Maya's first fight in MMA, oh, September 21, 2001. Okay, well, you never know now because let's see here UFC 38. I believe that's the cutoff, but let me make sure. UFC 38. Oh, no, that was the one in London. That's the one where Tito Ortiz and Lee Murray mixed it up afterwards. Mm -hmm. Okay, so UFC 4? No, UFC 30. Holy cow, my memory's not as good as it used to be. All right, let's see. The Battle of the Boardwalk was a mixed martial arts event held by the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Blah, blah, blah. And
2: I was a lot. wasn't that Tito and Cote?
0: This was Tito and Evan Tanner. And here we go oh. UFC 30 marked a major turning point for the UFC. It was the first UFC event held by new owners, Zufa LLC. That's your cutoff goes. And this event took place February 23rd, 2001. So technically, Damian Maya started competing after mm. the Zufa era had commenced so if that's the cutoff if it's a hard date he doesn't make it but if they just go ah eh, 2001 and up and you know or whatever then sure i think he would probably make it more as a pioneer than mm-hmm. as a modern winger modern era winger right modern era winger man there's gonna be a lot of greats that retire soon or have retired and we're gonna go well what about him or what about her or what about him or what about her and it's never gonna end you know we're gonna run out of pioneers because it was only 1993 to 2001 Mm-hmm. So there can only be kind of like so many, and uh, there's gonna be a lot of more modern, obviously. Uh, and you're gonna have some contributors. Hey, Damian Maya, he's apparently doing some announcing for the UFC Brazil, so if he can kind of contribute <laughs> contribute a little there. Maybe he's a contributor and a pioneer. Who knows? But um, yeah, look. I think he'll get in at some point. I just don't think it'll be, like, in the next 10 years. How about that? All right. Yeah. All right. So we've totally uh, veered off the program here. I do want to say one thing. I did look it up, goes, and I can confirm that UFC 285 coming up here on March the 4th in Las Vegas, that has John Jones versus Cyril gone for the vacant (laughs) heavyweight title. And Valentina Shoshenko versus Alex Alexa Grasso. That's official. What was that? This is how all that started, no? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Uh, I, I'm one of those that needs to know the answer now. So when you go, hey, what do you think of Damian Maya? I have to look it up. Mm-hmm. And now I have a ton of windows open on my computer, but I got some answers. And I'm just trying to see if Amanda Nunes is, is in fact booked versus Irene Aldana. That was a, a big rumor. And they were possibly even going to fight on the same card. And from what I can see here, it's not officially booked. So just Shevchenko versus Nunez, uh, And maybe that's a good news because if you go with Aldana versus Nunes in Mexico, and now you have Brandon Marino versus Pantoja in Mexico, that'd be pretty epic. You know, that's a nice yeah. little punch right there. It's a nice one. Speaking of, it didn't go too well for Brazil. Well, you know what? Why don't we finish going with the results, and then we'll talk about that topic. So we we talked about Mauricio Shogunhua. who he lost to Elar Potera. Then Johnny Walker smashed Paul Craig. Jessica Andraj smashed Lauren Murphy. Uh, Walker finished Craig, whereas Andraj just blasted Murphy over uh, three rounds. Three, Sorry, two 30-25s and one 30-26. I think I'd still rather be Craig. Yeah, really. Uh, Gilbert Burns defeated Neil Magny, and see this one goes. This one could have uh, set the roof on fire. Burns is from Rio de Janeiro, just outside a little a city called Niteroi. He said he was bringing a huge crew, but I think this is really co- one that could have like just, like I said. I mean, the Walker KO was nice. Andrade blasted Murphy. And I think this one could have saved set up the title fights really really nice. But what happened was the fight went to the ground and he got himself a submission and that's great too. Brazil loves them some submissions, right? However, we all know that a KO is way more of a pop more of a roar, you know. And, and Burns has that type of one-hitter quitter power, but he got the win, that's what was important.
2: Mm-hmm. That was a pretty masterful performance, man. I love the call out afterwards. Colby Covington that, to me, makes perfect sense. I think that'd be a great fight. Uh, I don't even know how I would call that fight, dude, honestly. I don't know which Colby Covington, what, what we're going to get here. But uh, if you get the best Gilbert Burns against the best Colby Covington, I think Colby edges them out just a bit. But, boy, could it have potential to be a
0: great fight. Agreed. Yeah. Uh Congrats to Burns. Like I said, the crowd, that was maybe, maybe going to be their last chance to really, really roar. Um, because, I mean, little did they know, and us as well, but there are two champions or the two fighters competing. One of them was a champ, Davison would lose. And then Clever Teixeira fighting for the vacant, he would lose. So for them, it was kind of like, eh, you know. Uva I I am happy to report no one died. Mm-hmm. And. So that chant is just keeps falling flat on its face, but it's out there. And did you see? By the time Glover was talking, the place was empty. Yeah, there was nobody there. What's the time difference? Let me see. Time difference in Rio de Janeiro. Do you know? I don't. Yeah, I got a couple other things to clean up too. Right now, it goes it's three p- three a.m. So it's an actual five hour time difference. So that fight, if I'm not mistaken, kind of went off around nine p.m. our time. It was two AM in Brazil when they fought the title <laughs> fight. So when DC's going, hey, give it up for who I mean, they're going, fool, we still gotta get home. Like it's two AM, you know, by the time they get yeah. to their cars, traffic, maybe a late night bite to eat, and in bed, you're you're look, you're, you know, it's probably four AM.
2: Not to mention they're probably pissed because last two fights didn't go
0: their way. Yeah, so what did you think now? Oh, let me say this, and then I, you can answer the question. Fight of the night went to Hill versus Glover. Okay, I'm good with that. Uh, what Was there some other good fights? No, that was the one. That one deserves it. And um, Jilton Almeida and Ismail Bonfim got the performance of the night. Yeah. So Marcos is... KO needed the body and punches over Simon Oliveira. That didn't get one. And the two submissions, Gabe Monfine over uh Remember, he guillotined him and then flipped over and he was, you know, on top. Mm-hmm. That so it was a mounted guillotine. Nope. He didn't he didn't get one for that. Thiago Moisés did the face crank on Costa. Remember, we were talking about just the pressure that he was putting on. And I think O'Day Osborne, you know, described that to us a little bit. Uh, Bruno Fajeda over Gregory Rodriguez. I mean, that was a pretty vicious KO. He didn't get one. Ilhor Porteda from the Ukraine over Marisa Shugunhua. He didn't get one. Johnny Walker. He didn't get one Mm -hmm. over Paul Craig. I mean, that was, it wasn't beautiful, but I mean, he was like, boom, boom, back, back fist in them. And it was a great performance. The first punch was really, really nice. And then Brandon Marino, his, you know, kind of lacked a little luster because, He socked him in the eye and caught him with a knuckle, but the the fight was stopped in between rounds. So, why am I bringing this up? Because, hey, it's been a while since you went back to Brazil. And that was one of the things I heard about London. The crowd brought it. We hadn't been back here for a while. I was in the mood to do it. Well, Dana was there for that one. I don't think Dana was here for this one, but the crowd brought it. They hadn't been back to Brazil in a while, and the fighters came out and performed. Why didn't they get 50 grand? Yeah, probably because Dana wasn't there. I think that's that shit that I think Francis Ganu's talking about. Like, hey, let's just get some like, let's be fair and consistent a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Let's not just kind of go by like uh, the whims of a madman and and whatever he thinks. And you know, let's let's write something out and and, and figure this out so that it's fair. Why do some fighters get taxed so much because they have to fight in Australia? And others can just go, nah, I'm only going to do Las Vegas. Like, O'Malley just goes, nah, Las Vegas. Nah, Las Vegas. Nah, mm-hmm. Las Vegas. Now, granted, recently he fought in Abu Dhabi. You know, that was rare. But I like that O'Malley calls his shots. He's got to. He stands up for himself, and he does it. But a lot of other fighters do it, and the UFC goes, nope, shut up. You're going where we tell you. And then they go, okay. Um, But, yeah, this this thing's just always driven me nuts. Hopefully they get taken care of. I'm doing that in air quotes. Now goes, answer the question, what did you think of the UFC back in Brazil? Did it look like, yeah, that just needs to be an annual stop? You know, did it look pretty special? I mean, those embeddeds look really cool with them on the beach. It, it just looks like such a cool setting. And, of course, it's so historical for MMA.
2: It does. Brazil goes through its waves, though, where, you know, they can dominate for a while with champions, and then some of their champions oh. just go away, and, and then a new crop shows up. But, um, you know, you're probably never going to recapture the golden era of Brazilian MMA. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, you have your fighters here and there. I think that can make it fun enough to at least
0: say we got to go once, maybe twice a year. Right. I really enjoyed it. I When I was watching the Embedded and I could see those guys just hanging on the beach, uh, that water's warm. It's really kind of like light, clear blue water, and uh, I've been in it many times. It's nice, man. I have a cousin, dear cousin that's there, some friends. Uh, haven't been back there since 2009. Would love to go back, and uh, but I, I was watching it just sitting there going, man, I'd love to go to one of those shows. Because when I went in 2009, UFC hadn't been there yet. And I remember coming back and telling Goes and John and everybody else, what's the UFC waiting for? It got so many stars. This thing would be tremendous. I had gone to something called Patechi Combat, and uh, I think it was Ricardo Ricardo Rona's last fight. And I went there, and it was at Maracan- Maracanazinho, which you know when you hear Ronaldinho, it's mm-hmm. basically like little Ronaldo. It's like this little affection term, kind of like a Ronaldo and Ronaldinho, kind of like George and George Junior. That. That's what it sounds like. Well, Maracanã is their big stadium in Rio de Janeiro. That's where they played the World Cup Final in 2014. And next to it is this little arena called Maracanazinho. That's where they had those fights. And, um, I mean, they the crowd went nuts. Uva Mohead, But they knew all the moves in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It was really, really an educated crowd. That's why I knew it would be a hit. Good fighters on that card, too. They wound up going a few years later, and then they wound up going a lot. In fact, one year they went eight times. Remember Uberlandia, Brazil? Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, I was just happy that they went back. That that crowd's passionate. As good as it gets. Uh, all you know, from compared to all the different ones in the world. All right, let me just clean up a couple things. and I know we got to get out of here soon. Um, I'm just closing my windows here because we kind of went off the grid a little bit. So I'm going to close out with this, the modern wing of the UFC Hall of Fame: Forrest Griffin, BJ Penn. Uriah Faber, Ronda Rousey, Michael Bisping, Rashad Evans, George St. Pierre, Habib Nurmagomedov, Daniel Cormier, Jose Aldo. I'm going to ask you a hard question. The modern wing. That's right. the modern wing. So these are fighters that have started their career in the Zufa era. Can you say it one last time? Fighters that have started their career. The, the I know, I know, I know. Forrest Griffin, BJ Penn, Uriah Faber, Ronda Rousey, Michael Bisping, Rashad Evans, George St-Pierre, Habib Nurmagomedov, (coughs) Daniel Cormier, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Jose Aldo.
1: Okay.
0: Who, if you had to strip this (laughs) down, who would be the first name you'd punt? Oh, first name I'm going to punt? Yeah. Jeez. Let's say Danny White got fired. Some new guy comes in, a new hotshot, Mark Cuban. I don't know. Someone comes in and he goes, Ah, I don't even like the Hall of Fame. We get, not all these do, do deserve to be here. Let's punt one. Goes, you're in charge of that.
2: <laughs> Holy crap.
0: Uh... This is down your wheelhouse. You've always said in the past, Nope, nope. I have this feeling, this I... definition of greatness, and this doesn't jive with what I've seen in other sports. And you've said yeah. it.
2: Probably Forrest Griffin is one that comes to mind because I just think he was a good fighter. Mm -hmm. I don't think I could say he was a great
0: fighter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say the most susceptible would be Forrest, Bisping, maybe even Evans. There's no way we're taking GSP off. No. No way we're taking Habib off. There's no way we're taking Cormier or Aldo off. There's no way we're taking Ronda Rousey off. Penn didn't finish strong, but at one point that guy was pretty legendary.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then Uriah Faber kind of paved the way for the lighter classes. He's kind of like a little Hoist Gracie-ish in that regard, you know? So I would say Griffin, Bisping, and Evans, you know, would be the ones that, that others may not have put in, I guess. Or maybe they make it, just not as quickly. Yeah. Lastly, the contributors wing, Charles Lewis Jr., also known as Mask, he found a tap out, Jeff Blatnick, Bob Meyerowitz, Joe Silva, Bruce Connell, Art Davey, Mark Ratner. Who would you punt if you had to punt one there? Oh. Hmm. I guess
2: if I had to do one, it'd be Blatnick. Just because he mm-hmm. his, his just wasn't there so long, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's a, that's a horrible question. You Black
0: Blatnick over Mask? Yeah. Mask did have a lot of support because he sponsored a lot of fighters. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's been a lot of people that... I mean, yeah.
2: his brand was synonymous
0: with mixed martial arts. This is true. You think Skyscrape and Punk Ass are like, well, when are we getting inducted? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, <laughs> so then since I asked you that, I might as well say, let's go back to Pioneer's Wing. Who would you punt out of these guys? Hoist Gracie? Uh, Maurice and Smith. Shamrock? Oh, Maurice Smith. That was quick.
2: Yeah. He he was
0: a decent fighter.
2: Look at his record.
0: Yeah, I think I might agree. So you're not on an island on that one. Uh, all right, let me close that window. So that's done. We covered UFC 283. All right,
2: look. Are am going to tell you who I like better, mom or
0: dad? <laughs> the last one is this. So we're going to discuss this on Spinning Backlick. And you should watch Spinning Backlick live every Monday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. That's where we kind of... Uh, Add to the panel. It's not just goes and I, you know, like we do here on Junkie Radio, either the writers or the editors, a couple of them join us and we discuss the latest topics for an hour live. You can jump in the chat, ask a question, make a comment. Noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, every Monday. Check it out. Subscribe to the channel, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video and set yourself a reminder to watch it. Um. And so some of the stuff that's pretty big that happened this past week, like power slap, I think we discussed that already on Thursday show. You know, a lot of that will be recapped on, on that Monday show. But one thing I did want to talk here, just to have one news story, I guess, is Francis Ngannou, we know that he said, hey, I stood for a few things. There's some changes that I wanted. Um, but, you know, we all kind of knew he also probably wanted a box and I think we've all kind of agreed that he probably wind up coming back to MMA. But one thing that happened was Tyson Fury did an interview, goes, and he's already telling Ngannou, come on, let's do this. Let's get down, right? Now, that's at the point where a lot of us kind of roll our eyes. All right, in boxing, you're going to beat him up. You know, that's what, that's what boxers do to our guys. Why don't you guys come to our sport? We would fuck you up, blah, blah, blah. Here's what Tyson Fury said that was interesting. He said... Uh, oh, and by the way, he's supposed to fight Alexander Yusik in the first quarter of this year, but it hasn't been booked. I looked into it. It hasn't been booked officially yet. So supposedly that's going to happen, and then I guess Ngannou and Fury would fight maybe in the summer or the fall. Who knows? But what Fury said goes was they would do it inside of a ring. Wait, sorry. Inside of a, sca- uh, a cage. Four rounds gloves. So a cage, not a ring four-ounce gloves under queensberry so queensberry are the official rules of boxing and he says let's have uh, a badass referee like iron mike tyson Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that's a little different because um four-ounce gloves definitely will provide more ko's than eight-ounce gloves or even 10-ounce gloves which is usually what heavyweights wear in boxing 154 pounds is usually the cutoff So 154 pounds is either a junior middleweight or a super welterweight, depending if it's WBC, WBO, WBA. One calls it the other, but it's the same. So 154, either junior middleweight, super welterweight. Around When you get to that weight class, you go 10 ounces and up. Below that weight class is eight ounces. In MMA, they use four ounces. He's saying no ring, let's do cage, and let's do four-ounce gloves, but under boxing rules. We're obviously not going to leg kick each other. Did that make it more interesting for you guys? Yes. Me too.
2: That would – I actually don't know why he would do that, but the fact that he would, it makes it so much more interesting and makes you feel like you're watching something else. Mm -hmm. You're not just watching an MMA guy go to boxing. They're meeting somewhere, maybe not halfway, but pretty close.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And if you'll recall, remember there was only one punch that Conor really landed on Floyd where everyone went, ooh. Mm -hmm. He touched him a little bit, but Floyd was either rolling with the punches or, you know, uh, redirecting it with his gloves. So, you know, he wasn't getting a full effect. But do you remember there was one uppercut that Conor landed and we all went, oh, he got him on that one. Yeah. With four-ounce gloves, if Francis Ngannou has a, oh, he got him with that one. That could be trouble. I'm not saying he will. I'm not saying all Francis has to do is just touch him and the guy falls over. But with mm-hmm. four ounce gloves and his power, we've seen what an uppercut has done. He sent uh, uh, Alistair over him. He almost landed on Mars before he came down. Mm-hmm. That's why this would be interesting. Are you? Is that kind of what you were thinking? Like same thing. Yeah.
2: But then you think you know Deontay Wilder, pretty much landed almost the same punch on uh, on Fury and. You just got up like Michael Myers, right? Like after six seconds for some reason. With a 10-ounce glove, it. though. True. True. It was a hell of a in a, a boxing ring. ring.
0: In a boxing yeah. ring. Yeah. If anything, it just sounded different. And and with Mike Tyson in there, like <coughs> it sounded interesting. Like mm-hmm. you might get those 80 bucks from me. Um and I think the casual fan will will be more interested because when there's that strict dividing line of boxing and MMA, yeah. it just it doesn't feel like one guy has a chance over the other. Especially if you could
2: do um, some more fights like that and maybe give it the MMA versus boxing feel. Give us like a good five card, main card type thing where
0: you take some of these veterans or something. I'd be down with that. He kind of almost said, hey, let's do bare knuckle. Style, you know, he didn't say it that way, but bare knuckles, no gloves. But I don't know, it was cool. We'll end with that, folks. For those of you that tuned in to the watch along, thank you so much. We had a blast. Big shout out to Oday Osborne, he was with us for four hours, make that three hours and 15 minutes. He took a three, he took a 45 minute lunch, but he was with us and he was great, man. He really explained a lot of strategy and technique stuff with us. Head game stuff. It was awesome. And then Eric Nixick, pretty sure he joined us for the last four fights or maybe caught the tail end of uh, the first one. No, I think he missed Johnny Walker and and Paul Craig. But um, that was like about still two and a half hours that he was with us. So both guys, man, awesome. And I hope you guys dug that and you're digging the new digs at Sticky Paws Studio. Uh, We're enjoying it. We've been doing this now for a few years, these watch-alongs, and uh, like I say, hopefully you guys are getting something out of it. We have another one scheduled for February 11th for UFC 284. That's the card with Islam Makashev and Alex Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky's moving up from featherweight to lightweight to challenge for Makashev's title, and there's an interim title in the featherweight division because Volkanovsky's kind of tying up the featherweight division, and you got Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett. They unfortunately lost Robert uh, Whittaker versus Paulo Costa, but we'll see. Um, and, yeah, we might as well start promoting that right now because that's just a couple of weeks away, and I believe we're already green-lighted for that one. All right, we're out of here. We'll see you at Spinning Back Click, and thank you so much for the support. Go out and be a champion.